Hello, and welcome to Misinformation, a trivia podcast for ladies and gents who love cool trivia and sticking it to annoying teams at pub quiz. We're your hosts. I'm Lauren. And I'm Julia. Hey, Julia. Hi, Lauren. How's it going? Great. How are you? Oh, I'm doing well. <laughs> Guess we got nothing else to say. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. You know, like, as long as we've been doing this, there's never... Like a good way to start. I mean, we see each other three or four times a week outside of the podcast. And yet I'm always like, how are you? Yeah. What, what's going on in your world? Tell me about your thoughts, and your feelings. I don't have any. I know. Oh. It's okay. <laughs> um, yeah. So last week, Lauren talked to us all about fashion. Yes. Huzzah. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, it got, you know, got me thinking. Oh, did it? Are you, you doing did, fashion too? I did. Well. Oh, okay. You know how when you're in college, mm-hmm. you think you're going to get invited to a party where you have to wear a sheet and dress up? Uh, a toga party? A toga Are party. Are you avoiding saying it because it's trademarked somewhere or something? <laughs> <laughs> Damn, that's $5. Yo, oh, Greece. sorry. Toga party. Um, I knew of people that had gone to toga parties, but yeah, I don't think I... Had... I never went to a toga no. party. Everyone, like, there were so many... Like things online, like wiki how on how to tie a sheet so that yeah. your breasts were not exposed at a toga party. Thank goodness. Well, I mean, you know, it's just a sheet. If you're just wearing a sheet, yeah. <laughs> well, you know who you know who wore togas? The ancient the Greeks. Greeks. The oh, ancient yes. Greeks. Okay, great. Good. Yep. That's, woo. Woo. Link. <laughs> Done. A to B. Uh, yeah. So this week, um, I wanted to talk about something that has come up in trivia, especially in Learned League in the last couple of seasons, and that I don't know jack about. Okay. Um, this week, it's it's all Greek to me. The Peloponnesian War. <laughs> I for sure know zero zero to negative things about the Peloponnesian War. Mm -hmm. Okay, so it took place between 431 and 404 BC. So we are in the fifth century BC. We are predating thousands. So many things. So the Peloponnesian War was an ancient Greek war fought by Athens, aka the Delian League, against Sparta, also called the Peloponnesian League. Each stood at the head of alliances that, between them, included nearly every Greek city state. The fighting engulfed virtually the entire Greek world and was technically fought in two stages. Okay. All right. First, before we get into the war, we got to talk about 5th century BC geography. Oh. 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 Uh, so mm. actually, you know caffeine what? caffeine pills. <laughs> Pops. I got. Have some Coke. I forgot to Zero. tell you I have dinner plans. Yeah. <laughs> so 5th century BC, classical Greece. It's the cradle of Western civilization. Sure. You have the Aegean Sea to the east of the mainland, the Ionian Sea to the west, the Cretan Sea, and the Mediterranean Sea to the south. Okay. And if any of this previous sentence scared you, you may want to go back to episode 25, Take to the Sea. We'll wait. It's very good, isn't it? And we're back. Yeah. (laughs) All right. So the Peloponnesian Peninsula. Um... When you're looking at a map of 5th century Greece, the Peloponnesian Peninsula is kind of like the hand-shaped land in the southwestern part of Greece. Okay. Uh, during classical antiquity, the Peloponnese was the heart of the affairs of ancient Greece. Um, it possessed some of its most powerful city-states and the lo- was the location of some of its bloodiest battles. The major cities of Sparta, Corinth, 
Argos and Megalopolis were all located on the Peloponnese Peninsula. Megalopolis was a real city. And that just means like big city. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I just assumed that was something out of like, I don't know, like a dystopian (laughs) Like a comic book. Yeah, Yeah. or like a video game or something. (laughs) Um, Another section of Greece was Attica. So this is central Greece. It encompassed the entire metropolitan area of the capital city, <laughs> Athens. So historically, Attica is a peninsula projecting into the Aegean Sea, bordering on Boeotia. That's B-O-E-O-T-I-A to the north. Um, that's where Thebes is. Oh, okay. And Megaris to the west. Um, Megaris isn't around anymore, but here's a description of its former people. Quote, whose inhabitants were adventurous seafarers credited with deceitful propensities. <gasps> so they're like... Careful of these pirates who are also liars. <laughs> yep, the folks in Magaris. Wow, no wonder they got rid of them. I'm like, forget you guys. There's also Thessaly, that's T-H-E-S-S-A-L-Y. It's the section north of central Greece known as Aeolia in Homer's Odyssey, which was from the 8th century BC. Um, Thessaly was home to ancient families in the mythological site of the Titans versus the Olympians. Uh, Mount Olympus is located in the Olympus range on the border between Thessaly and Macedonia. And this is, this is fiction. This is myth. Well, Mount Olympus exists. Oh, okay. okay. But I got you. But you know, there are the, no gods in, there? Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. That we know of. <laughs> yeah, that's um, true. There's also Macedonia, which was the big north border section of Greece, um, highly mountainous, and it incorporates territories of ancient Macedon. There's so many of these names here, I realize, that are in Western New York. Yes. You got Attica. Mm-hmm. You got Macedon. You got Syracuse. You got Syracuse. You got Utica. You got Greece. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. There's also Thrace, which is the northeasternmost part of Greece. There's Crete, which is the largest and most populous of the Greek islands. Um, it's located in the Mediterranean Sea, well below the Peloponnesian Peninsula. It was once center of the Minoan civilization, which was around from about 2700 to 1420 BC, which was the earliest known civilization in Europe. Wow. The Minoans were the earliest known civilization in Europe. Okay. Um, and Crete is also where the Palace of Knossos is located. That's K-N-O-S-S-O-S. Okay. I have okay. heard this. Mm-hmm. Yes. There are some other important Greek islands. It just got to run through. Okay. There's Evia. That's E-U-B-O-E-A. Evia. It's the second largest island of Greece. It is like the narrow finger above central Greece on the mainland. Okay. There's Lesbos, L-E-S-B-O-S. It's kind of far away from mainland Greece, and it's actually closer to Turkey. But Mm -hmm. its capital city was Mytilene, which is something that will come up later. Okay. Uh, There's Rhodes, which is also off the coast of Turkey. It's northeast of Crete and southeast of Athens. It's the home of the Colossus of Rhodes, which was around from 280 BC to 226 BC. Um, And remember, check out episode 15 anyway here's a wonder wall for more on the seven wonders of the ancient world it's very good and uh you have the cyclades that's c-y-c-l-a-d-e-s that's the dense group of islands in the central part of the aegean sea um in the center of this archipelago is delos d-e-l-o-s one of the most important mythological historical and archaeological sites in greece okay and then finally the sporades s-p-o-r-a-d-e-s um it's a small tight group of islands off the coast of avia <laughs> So a lot of islands is what you're saying. A lot of islands, yeah. Okay. And they will come into play here. Um, Also around Greece at the time, you have the Persian Empire, also known as the 
Achaemenid Empire. That's A-C-H-A-E-M-E-N-I-D. That was based in Western Asia. It was larger than any previous empire in history, and it covered the southwestern portion of the Iranian plateau in the region of Persis. It expanded to cover parts of Phoenicia in the Fertile Crescent, and then also into Turkey and Cyprus and other lands that kind of surrounded the Greeks. Okay. And finally, Sicily, uh, which we talked about a little bit in a previous episode, too, um, in one of my much beloved segments, Where in the World. Yes, (laughs) no, it's a uh, Um, people clamor for it. So Sicily is the big island at the south of the Italian peninsula. It kind of looks like a triangle. It's separated from the mainland by the narrow Strait of Messina. Uh, From about 750 BC on, the Greeks began to live in Sicily, establishing many important settlements there. The most important colony was Syracuse. Uh, The native Sasani and Sicil peoples were absorbed into the Hellenic culture with relative ease, and the area became part of the Magna Graecia, along with the rest of southern Italy, which the Greeks had also colonized. Uh, Sicily was very fertile, and the successful introduction of olives and grapevines created a great deal of profitable trading. Okay. Full of bad-tempered people. I can can account for that. (laughs) Being Sicilian myself. (laughs) Good lemons, though. Oh, delicious. Like an, like an orange. Just bite right into it. Mm. Don't have to peel it. Nothing. <laughs> oil. Olive oil oh, just drips from the trees. Skin is so gorgeous. Mm. <laughs> Hair, shiny. All right. We also got to talk about some Greek powers. All okay. right. Like, wait, like flight or telepathy? X-ray vision. Yeah, okay. Um, so <laughs> Athens. Okay. Let's talk about Athens. Yes. Um, It was a city of democracy. It was established around 508 to 507 BC in Athens as the first democracy where citizens exercised power by voting. Great. Great. Athens had a big giant navy full of triremes. Those are ancient vessels with three rows of oars. Oh. Um, And this big navy also acted as kind of like a benign police force um, for its Greek subject allies overseas. Okay. And then you have the Delian League. I might have also said Delian League before. Eh, you know, Delian League, D-E-L-I-A-N. It is named after the island Delos. um, And the Delian League encompassed much of the coastline around the Aegean Sea. The Delian League, at its greatest size, was about 300 members who paid tribute to Athens in the form of ships or money. The treasury was placed on the sacred island of Delos in the Cyclades. Um, So... The Delian League grew out of the need to present a unified front of all Greek city-states against Persian aggression. So basically, like, Athens is big and powerful already. Okay. And they're like, well, we'll protect you guys if you pay us in ships and money. Sure. And, yeah, it will be fine. We'll save you guys from the Persians. Yeah. Um, So... If you need to remember, like if you hear the league names and you can't remember what city it's, it goes to, Athens equals the letter A and Delian equals the letter D and A and D are very close together in the alphabet. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I'm into it. Because then the other power is Sparta. Sure. So Sparta is an oligarchy. That's where the power rests with a small number of people. Um, Sparta had nearly 200,000 helots or serfs who worked the farms of Messenia and Laconia there. The Spartans fielded professional hoplites who were year-round infantry that were primarily armed with spears and shields. Okay. Uh, military training known as agogi started at the age of seven. Wow. Yeah. The heavily armed hoplites were trained in the phalanx formation. That's lines of closely packed um, soldiers, hoplites, protecting each other with their shields. Oh, yeah. I saw 300. I, I know exactly oh, what okay. you're talking Great. about. <laughs> <laughs> Great. So Sparta was the Peloponnesian League. 
Um, that was a grouping of Corinth, oh. Ellis, Tegea, and other states where other members swore to have the same enemies and allies as Sparta. So Sparta equals the letter S. Peloponnesian equals P. P, P and S P and are S very close. close to each other in the alphabet. Great. So this league was not a response to any external threat. Um, like the Athens, the they came up with the Delian League basically to fight against the Persians. The, the Peloponnesian League was more like an instrument of policy that was aimed at Sparta's security and Spartan dominance over the Peloponnese Peninsula. So it wasn't really a league per se, and it wasn't really Peloponnesian. <laughs> so, so what I'm getting is that the Delian League is... So Athens is more defensive Mm -hmm. and Sparta is more offensive. Yeah, that's true. Mm -hmm. All right. Yeah. So um, there weren't, there wasn't really any equality between members of the, of the Peloponnesian league. Uh, Most of its members were located outside the Peloponnese peninsula, but the terms Spartan league and Peloponnesian league are modern terms. Uh, Contemporaries instead referred to Lacedaemonians and their allies to describe the league. So the Athenian alliance was an empire that included most of the island and coastal states around the northern and eastern shores of the Aegean Sea. Sparta was leader of an alliance of independent states that included most of the major land powers of the Peloponnese and central Greece, as well as the sea power Corinth. So the Athenians basically had the stronger navy and the Spartans had the stronger army. Okay. Great. Yeah. The Athenians were better prepared financially than the Spartans, owing to the large war chest they had amassed from the regular tribute that they received from members of their empire. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. But these guys weren't always enemies. Um, Athens and Sparta, who were both powerful Greek city-states, had fought as allies in the Greco-Persian Wars, which were a series of conflicts between the Achaemenid Empire and the Greek city-states between 499 and 449 BC. Okay. Um, So there were two major battles that you got to know from the Greco-Persian Wars. So that's the Battle of Marathon in 490 BC. It was fought between the citizens of Athens, aided by the Plataea and Persian forces. The battle was the culmination of the first attempt by Persia under King Darius I to subjugate Greece. And then 10 years later, there's the Battle of Thermopylae in 480 BC that was fought between an alliance of Greek city-states led by King Leonidas of Sparta and the Persian Empire of Xerxes I over the course of three days during the second Persian invasion of Greece. That's 300. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Uh, This is the era depicted in the 2007 (laughs) film 300, in which Gerard Butler portrayed Leonidas and Rodrigo Santoro, a.k.a. Carl from Love Actually, is King Xerxes. Oh, my God. That's (laughs) Carl from Love Actually? You are blowing my brains out. Are you kidding me? That's him? He's Xerxes? Yep. Yep. You know what? That movie still holds up. Very stylish. All I can picture is Gerard Butler... Screaming. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Okay. I think you would like it. Here's why. One, just muscles upon muscles. There's a scene in the movie. I remember seeing it in the theaters with, I don't know, somebody. And I remember they were like, there's like a slow motion shot of all the Spartan men like walking down a hill with their spears and Mm -hmm. shields. And someone near me was like, oh my God. (laughs) Because it was just... Like shirtless men, like slowly walking toward you on a screen the size of the side of your house. It was magnificent. So it One. was fifth century Magic Mike XXL. It was, yes. And it's a it's a very good action movie. Okay. And I know I you like, like action, action movies. Yeah. Um, I know that the Xerxes character got a lot of flack because it's, it's kind of, it's stylized because it's yeah. based on a comic sure. book. But the character of Xerxes comes off as very like um, femme. Okay. And sort of like, like it's like impotent, typically kind of. impotently homosexual. Like he wears like a full face of makeup and a lot of jewelry and piercings well, and that's things. Persia for you. Yeah. 
Um, so there was, there was some criticism with that where it was like, you know, the Spartans are seen as like real men uh-huh. and like the Persians are seen as like fey kind yeah, of okay. like home, like homosexuals yeah. kind of thing. Um, regardless of that, the movie is very beautiful. I think it holds up. We should Great. watch it. Just yes. So that is the battle of Thermopylae from the Greco-Persian Wars. Um, it's also an example of the power of a patriotic army defending its native soil. Great. So after heroic roles in the defeat of the Persians, for the next half century, Athens and Sparta assumed preeminence among their city-states, and their rivalry slowly led to the long-expected showdown. So basically, like, both of these leagues, they were like, they were getting along okay, I guess. And then, you know, people were like, well, but I want some money. Oh, but it's not fair that, you know, that they're taking over all these things and that these other people have pledged their allegiance to them and this and that. So things were slowly going to... Cold War-ish. Yes, in a way. So we hit the first stage of the Peloponnesian War. So this is 460 to 455 BC. So between that time span, um, Athens and Sparta had fought each other in what is sometimes called the First Peloponnesian War. Okay. This is mainly between Athens and Corinth with occasional intervention by Sparta. But they called a truce known as the Thirty Years' Peace or the Thirty Years' Treaty in 445. Okay. However... These guys really don't like each other and they're bad at math. And so the (laughs) following years, their respective blocks observed what we would call an uneasy peace. Okay. So a flashpoint in Spartan Athenian relations was at Potidaea, that's P-O-T-E-I-D-A-I-A, in 432 BC. Athens wanted timber and materials from Thrace and so demanded that Potidaea, which was a colony around the peninsula of Pauline, remove their fortifications. The Potidaeans asked for Sparta's protection and received a promise of assistance. Uh Athens went ahead and laid siege to the city anyway, shortly after also issuing the Megarian decrees. So these were a set of economic sanctions that prevented Megara from using any port of Athens or her allies, effectively imposing a trade embargo. Mm -hmm. Sparta, a longtime ally of Megara, asked Athens to repeal the decree as it would make Megara wholly dependent on Athens. And that's not really fair. And that's not, you know, you can't just make a law that they can't use your thing anymore. Yeah, exactly. Um, But the Athenians, advised by their influential leader Pericles, refused. The Spartans withheld from formally declaring war, mostly because they didn't feel like getting into another one. Um, However, hostilities broke out elsewhere when Thebes attacked Plataea, an ally of Athens. And in 431 BC, the Peloponnesian army, led by the Spartan king Archidamus II, invaded and ravaged Attica. So the war was back on. Oh, jeez. So this is kind of the second stage. Um, Spartans. People sometimes refer to it as the Second Peloponnesian War or just the Peloponnesian War. Okay. So this is whenever you're talking specifically about the Peloponnesian Peloponnesian War, War. you're usually talking this time frame. So this is 431 to 404 BC. Uh, Warfare in... Yeah. (laughs) Good God. (laughs) Warfare in the Second Peloponnesian War became more sophisticated and more deadly with the conventions of warfare breaking down and resulting in atrocities previously unthinkable in (gasps) Greek warfare. Civilians became much more involved in warfare and entire citizen bodies could be wiped out. (gasps) The number of casualties in the wars was, therefore, far greater than in any previous conflict in Greece's long history. Oh, my God. So, step one. Sparta invades Attica. The first period of warring lasted 10 years. It began with the Spartans under Archidamus II, leading an army into Attica, the region around Athens. Pericles declined to engage the superior allied forces and instead urged the Athenians to keep to their city and make full use of their naval superiority by harassing their enemies' coasts and shipping. Okay. Within a few months, however, Pericles fell victim to the plague that had arrived from Egypt 
and raged through the crowded city, killing a large part of its army as well as many civilians. Oh, my God. So basically, Athens had all these fortifications and all these walls to protect the city. Sure. But once the plague got in, it basically killed everybody. Oh, my God. That's crazy. Yeah. Um, the the historian Thucydides, who we'll talk about a little bit later, he survived the attack of the plague somehow, and he left a vivid account of its impact on Athenian morale. Oh, my God. Next. Oh, man. Did these Greeks love sieges? Uh, <laughs> siegecraft involved two main strategies, repeatedly attacking the city directly until the defenders capitulated or the walls were breached, and circumvallation, or surrounding the city with a wall and starving the city into surrender. Oh, my. In the latter strategy, there was also the hope that betrayal and infighting might also compromise the defenders. So the second strategy was much more costly and time consuming as it often took years to achieve success. Sure. But if a city did finally fall, then death or slavery was the usual result for the defeated. So basically, so Athens already had its own walls and they admitted to, to wipe themselves out from the plague. Yeah, but if you were laying siege to a city you really wanted, you could just start to build your own walls around the city so that nobody could get in. That's out of control. You know that somebody like you wake up in the morning, you're like, oh, geez, are they still out? What are they doing? <laughs> Wait a second. Are they building a wall? <laughs> We should go. We should get out of here. <laughs> they're gonna starve us out. Yeah, that's yeah. They're awful. getting they're getting they're getting a little mean here. Yeah, let's just say. Um, so in the meantime, around uh, the year 430, the Spartans attacked Athenian bases in Western Greece, but were repelled. The Spartans were also suffered losses at sea because, you know, they yeah. had an army. They, didn't have they can't navy. swim. Um, in 428, <laughs> they tried to aid the island state of Lesbos, which was a tributary of Athens that was planning to revolt. But the revolt was headed off by the Athenians who won control of the chief city, Mytilene. And urged on by a fellow named Cleon, the Athenians voted to massacre the men of Mytilene and enslave everyone else. But they relented the next day and killed only the leaders of the revolt. You know, that was nice of them. I guess. Um, Spartan initiatives during these plague years were all unsuccessful except for the capture of the strategic city Plataea in 427. Now we got Athens. They're like, you know what? You're invading us. We're invading you. We're invading you now. So How do you like Athens... It? tries to invade Syracuse, which, if you remember, is not in Greece. No. Well, technically, it's Sicily. Yeah, but the base it's not of Italy. In, yeah. within the country. Yeah. Right. So in the next few years, the Athenians took the offensive. They attacked the Sicilian city Syracuse and campaigned in western Greece in the Peloponnese Peninsula itself. In 425, the picture was bleak for Sparta, but led by Brasidas, the Spartan forces gained important successes in Chalcidice in 424 and encouraged Athenian subject states to revolt. In a decisive battle at Amphipolis... In 422, both Brasidas and the Athenian leader Cleon were killed. This set the stage for Cleon's rival Nicias to persuade the Athenians to accept the Spartans' offer of peace. So this so-called peace of Nicias, or the 50-year peace, began in 421 and lasted six years. Oh, jeez. They're because, so bad at math. Again, they're very bad at counting, um, <laughs> and they should really tone it down on their optimistic estimates. Yeah. It was a period in which diplomatic maneuvers gradually gave way to small-scale military operations as each city tried to win smaller states over to its side. The uncertain peace was finally shattered when, in 415, the Athenians launched a massive assault against Sicily under General Alcibiades and then Nicias. Oh, but... Boy, did the Athenians lose real hard here. Oh, um, aided by a force of Spartans, Syracuse was able to break an Athenian blockade. Even after gaining reinforcements in 413, the Athenian army was defeated again. Soon afterwards, the navy was also beaten and the Athenians were utterly destroyed as they tried to retreat. Oh, my God. 
By 411, Athens itself was in political turmoil. Democracy was overthrown by the oligarchical party, which was in turn replaced by the more moderate regime of the 5,000. At the end of 411, the rebuilt Athenian navy, fresh from several victories, acted to restore democratic rule. However, the democratic leaders refused Spartan peace offerings, and the war continued at sea with the Spartan and Athenian fleets trading costly victories. Ironically, the end of the wars came in 405 when the Athenian navy was destroyed at Aegospotami, A-E-G-O-S-P-O-T-A-M-I, by the Spartan fleet under Lysander, who had achieved much aid from the Persians. 170 Athenian ships were captured on the beach, and at least 3,000 Athenian captives were executed. Oh, my God. Now unable to man another fleet with the Delian League disbanded and Athens itself under siege, the Athenians had no option but to sue for peace. So conditions of surrender were the dismantling of the long walls, the prohibition of building a bigger fleet, um, bigger than 12 ships, and the payment of tribute to Sparta, which was now finally recognized by all as the dominant power in Greece. So, so it Sparta took 50 won. years, but Sparta won. Okay. Um, the next year, starved by an impenetrable blockade, Athens surrendered. Um, so Athens' defeat was perhaps the worst casualty in a war that crippled Greek military strength and thus the most culturally advanced greek state was brought to the chopping block sparta's position as the number one city-state in greece though was short-lived continued spartan ambitions in central and northern greece asia minor and sicily once again dragged the city into another lengthy conflict this time the corinthian wars with athens thebes corinth and persia from 396 to 387 bc so the result of this conflict was the king's peace where sparta ceded their empire to persian control leaving sparta to dominate greece however And man, with these Greeks, there's always a however. (laughs) However, in trying to crush Thebes, Sparta lost the crucial Battle of Leuctra in 371 BC against the Theban general Epaminondas. (laughs) E-P-A-M-I-N-O-N-D-A-S. So after all this, it's possible that the real winner of the Peloponnesian Wars was actually Persia (laughs) and in the long term, even Macedonia, which under Philip II was able to invade and crush with relative ease the weakened and mutually suspicious Greek city states. Um, and then basically Rome took over as the next oh, yeah, great yeah. empire then in Rome was like, we got this. BC. Yeah. yeah. So Greek, Greece, Greece ran like the Western world for like, I don't know, 400 to 1,000 years BC. Oh and then um, basically all of their infighting, infighting yeah. and like trying to take control of things, basically just weaken them and then let it. It's like, guys, Mm -hmm. why don't you concentrate on, uh, I don't know, inventing different political systems and uh, your delicious food? Yeah. And your your melodious music. Oh, please. The Bella Laika? (laughs) It's so beautiful. I used to fall asleep to the Bella Laika music at the Greek festival every year. Oh, I have such fond memories. Uh, I could go for some Dolmades right now. Heck yeah. (laughs) So after all this, the people you should know from the okay. Peloponnesian Wars. So there's Thucydides. That's T-H-U-C-Y-D-I-D-E-S. He was the contemporary historian of the times. So he was around from 460 to 400 BC. And he was also a general as well as a historian. Oh, and he's the guy who survived the plague. Yeah. Yes. He okay. um, was dubbed the father of scientific history by those who accept his claims to have applied strict standards of impartiality and evidence gathering through eyewitness testimony in his writing. So oh, like, okay. he's kind of the first guy to be like, I'm not just going to write what I think. I'm going to find out what really happened. It's like Samuel Pepys. Yeah. Yeah. Basically. He's like an early Pepys. Yep. <laughs> Um, The most reliable information about his life comes from his own history of the Peloponnesian War, which details his nationality and native locality. He was an Athenian and generally regarded as one of the first true historians. 
Cool. Uh, next, you have Aristophanes, the comic playwright of ancient Athens. Oh, yeah. You may have heard of him. He was around from about 486 to 386 BC. He is known as the father of comedy. He wrote old comedy plays during and after the Peloponnesian War. 11 of his 40 plays survive virtually complete and recreate the life of ancient Athens oh, more wow. convincingly than any other author. His important works include The Clouds, which is a lampooning of intellectual fashions in classical Athens, and Lyrostrata, which was written in 411 BC. That is a comic account of a woman's extraordinary mission to end the Peloponnesian War between Greek city-states by denying all the men of the land any sex, which was the only thing they, quote, truly and deeply desired. So this was this this has come up before too. So, yeah, and this is this is a famous play, Lyrostrata, uh, where all the women were like, "We're sick of these guys fighting. You know what? We're not going to have sex with any of you until you stop acting like a bunch of dicks." <laughs> um, isn't this uh, Spike Lee did like t- did a whole thing on it? And I think it's Chirac. Oh, okay. Yeah, so there's a lot of Chirac that is Lestrada. Okay. Um, and I don't know if it's like the the main storyline or if it's like a B storyline. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen the movie, but that's like the main thrust of, of it. That oh, it's cool. like harkens back to thousands yeah. of years ago. Yep. <laughs> a play. So yep. that's cool. <laughs> so yeah, that was Aristophanes with Lyrostrata. Um, there's also Pericles, who's the Athenian leader, statesman, orator, and general during its golden age. So he was around from about 495 to 429 BC. He was proclaimed by Thucydides as the first citizen of Athens. He promoted arts and literature, was principally through his efforts that Athens acquired the reputation of being the educational and cultural center of ancient Greece. Also, this is not the same Pericles as the Shakespeare play, which is about Pericles, Prince of Tyre, which is from Phoenicia. Oh, Don't confuse them. I, I will not. Well, I thank you for t- did. Well, thank you for telling me. I was me. like, did Shakespeare write a whole play about the Peloponnesian War? I was like, <laughs> bleep, 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 no, no. Google, Google. Um, there's two more guys. Alcibiades, A-L-C-I-B-I-A-D-E-S, was originally an Athenian leader from 450 to 404 BC. During the course of the war, he changed his political allegiance several times. So he was an Athenian who fled to Sparta after his political enemies brought charges of sacrilege against him. And then he served as a strategic advisor to Sparta. Then he made enemies there and ended up defecting to Persia. He was recalled to Athens, though, and served as a general for several more years before being once again exiled. So this guy was like, well, I'm in trouble here. I'm going to go to you guys. Don't worry, guys. I know about their stuff. Uh, and this then, guy yeah. sounds like a feckless, lily-livered weenie. <gasps> I said it. I said it. And I don't care how many <laughs> listeners we lose. <laughs> <laughs> Alcibiades, yep. reckless, lily livered weenie. weenie. Yep, he's a weenie. <laughs> and then finally, Lysander. Um, he was the Spartan admiral who defeated the Athenians in 405 BC and then ended the Peloponnesian War. Um, he played a key role in Sparta's domination of Greece for the next decade until his death. And that's Lysander, L Y S A N D E R. My best friend in high school was named Lysandra. Yeah, she had a beautiful name. She doesn't listen to this podcast, but yeah. <laughs> does she have does she have any Spartan relatives? I don't think so. I think yeah. uh I think her parents just really like the name Lysandra. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Well, that's everything. That was great. That, now you know. Now the I Italian know. The Italian League and the Peloponnesian League and they fought a lot and yeah, went to a couple places and you know, we really did themselves off. Uh we haven't touched a lot on ancient cultures. No. So I think this was very helpful. Thank you, Julia. Yeah. Yeah. You're welcome. Uh now it's time for the quiz. Ooh, I'm excited. This is called 
my big fat Greek oligarchy. It's a quiz on forms of government and Greek foods. <laughs> Question one. As defined by Plato, a newocracy, that's N-O-O-C-R-A-C-Y, is a system of governance where decision-making is in the hands of philosophers. It became more than just a theorem to which 6th century BC fellow who built a city of the wise in Italy with his followers who called themselves Mathematicoi. Question two. You're at the annual Greek food festival and your friend Barbie wants you to grab her a plate of stuffed grape leaves while you're in line. What's the Greek word for what you're going to order? Question three. Multiple choice. A timocracy, that's T-I-M-O-C-R-A-C-Y, is a form of rule in which only who can participate in government. Is it A, the literate? Is it B, property owners? C, guys named Timothy? Or D, firstborn males? Question four. Kataifi is a type of pastry dough that is basically a shredded version of what other type of flaky sheets used for baklava. Question five. Lock up your valuables and remember your root words. What is the name for a government with corrupt leaders who use their power to exploit the people and natural resources of their own territory in order to extend their personal wealth and power? Question six. Day two of the Greek food festival. Your friend Boris definitely doesn't like this food, but Rocky sure does. What's the name for the dish with layers of eggplant, ground meat, potatoes, and sauce? Question seven. A technocracy is the government or control of society and industry by an elite of technical experts. Which world power that developed the National Trunk Highway System and the Three Gorges Dam is actually dominated by engineers and scientists and maybe the world's largest technocratic government? Question eight. Not to be confused with kebab, which are from the Middle East, but what skewered meat dish from Greece is considered to be fast food and often eaten with pita, fried potatoes, lemons, and sauces? Question nine. A second multiple choice question. Because Greek words are the worst, who gets to run the government in a kakistocracy? That's K-A-K-I-S-T-O-C-R-A-C-Y. So who gets to run the government in a kakistocracy? A, the winner of a marathon. B, vegans, C, the least qualified citizens, or D, a group of mimes and troubadours. And finally, question 10. I'll name four dishes and you tell me if they are a real Greek dessert or something I made up. First, Vasilopita. Second, Deepless. Third, Mizitz and Averia. And fourth, Caradopita. Give me about a minute to think. I'll be back with your answers.
Uh, I remember a lot more about uh, the Greek festival than I expected. <laughs> so that's helpful. You just said that it the I know. soothing sounds. Oh, of yeah, the, the balalaika. Yes. <laughs> By the way, Greek wine. Not it is good. Ungood. It tastes like stems and leaves. It is not good. Their food, however, delightful. Wonderful. A treat. Anyway, <laughs> continue. Question one. As defined by Plato, a newocracy is a system of governance where decision-making is in the hands of philosophers. It became more than just a theorem to which 6th century BC fellow who built a city of the wise in Italy with his followers who called themselves Mathematicoi. I, this, I, this is a total reach. Is it Plutarch? No. Oh, who is it? It's Pythagoras. Pythagoras. So he's mostly remembered today for his mathematical ideas and by association, the work that early Pythagoreans did in advancing mathematical concepts and theories on harmonic music intervals, the definition of numbers, proportion and mathematical methods such as arithmetic and geography. So the Mathematicoi claimed that their numbers were the heart of everything and constructed a new view of the cosmos. Women were given equal opportunity to study huh. as Pythagoreans and learned practical domestic skills in addition to philosophy. Oh, good. So, so twice the work is well, what you're saying. Yeah, I guess so. But uh, <laughs> a newocracy is where like, the, phil- the philosophers are in charge. Okay. And Pythagoras put that into practice. Great. Question two. You're at the annual Greek food festival and your friend Barbie wants you to grab her a plate of stuffed grape leaves while you're in line. What's the Greek word for what you're going to order? Those are dolmades. It is dolmades. <laughs> they are typically grape leaves stuffed with cooked onions, rice, and herbs. Delicious. Question three. Multiple choice. A timocracy is a form of rule in which only who can participate in government? A. The literate. B, property owners. C, guys named Timothy. Or D, firstborn males. I was like, oh, I can't wait to make the joke. It's guys named Tim. Um, I know it's not that. Uh, I'm going to say property owners. It is property owners. Originally, Timocracy was introduced by Solon of Athens in the early 6th century BC and he wanted to allegate political rights basically depending on how many bushels of produce each man could make oh, in sure, a year. Okay. All right. um, he came up with four tiers and the highest were the Pentecosomedimni <laughs> Pentecosomedimni okay. uh, men of the 500 bushel. Oh. Um, Aristotle wrote about this in his politics and Plato described democracy as one of the unjust regimes of government. So yeah. it's not fair that only people that own property can vote in things because... Yeah, it's just the rich getting richer. Am exactly. I right? Yeah. Hell yeah. Question four. Kataifi is a type of pastry dough that is basically a shredded version of what other type of flaky sheets use for baklava. That's phyllo dough. It is. The shredded version of phyllo is called kataifi and it is used for pastries and crunchy toppings. Mm, I love a crunchy topping. Mm. Question five. Lock up your valuables and remember your root words. What is the name for a government with corrupt leaders who use their power to exploit the people and natural resources of their own territory in order to extend their personal wealth and power? Is that a kleptocracy? It is a kleptocracy. Kleptocracies are generally associated with dictatorships, oligarchies, military juntas, or other types of autocratic and nepotist governments in which external oversight is impossible or does not exist. Examples of kleptocratic leaders have included former Yugoslav president Slobodan Milosevic, former Haitian president Jean-Claude Duvalier, a.k.a. Baby Doc, and... <laughs> that was his nickname. I didn't make it up. Baby Doc. I don't want to like be guy. ruled by a baby doctor. <laughs> That's ridiculous. 
and former Indonesian President Suharto, who, according to Transparency International, is the most corrupt leader in modern history. Wow. He embezzled an alleged 15 to $35 billion no, that's from Indonesia during his rule. Holy cow. Yeah. Question six. Day two of the Greek food festival. Oh, delicious. Your friend Boris definitely doesn't like this food, but Rocky sure does. What's the name for the dish with layers of eggplant, ground meat, potatoes, and sauce? Um, can I, I will, I commend you on your very good hints. That is moussaka. <laughs> it is moussaka. <laughs> <laughs> That's also, it was also stuck in my head from my Big Fat Greek wedding when yes. Tula's like, they were making fun of her for having moussaka at lunch. I know. Poor Tula. Gotta watch that movie again. It's, it's so, so good. Cute. Holds up. Ugh. Question seven. A technocracy is the government or control of society and industry by an elite group of technical experts. Which world power that developed the National Trunk Highway System and the Three Gorges Dam is actually dominated by engineers and scientists and maybe the world's largest technocratic government? Is it India or is it China? Is it China? What are you going to say? Uh, is it China? It's China. Okay. <laughs> uh, the NTHS, the National Trunk Highway System, is the world's largest highway system by length. Uh, the Three Gorges Dam is a hydroelectric gravity dam that spans the Yangtze River by the town of Suduping in Yiling District, Yishang, Hubei Province, China. The Three Gorges Dam has been the world's largest power station in terms of installed capacity um, since 2012. In 2014, the dam generated 98.8 terawatt hours and had the world record of you know best capacity oh but God. it has since been surpassed by the itaipu dam which set the new world record in 2016 oh my so gosh. but the three gorges dam really big uh big project sure was only you know completed in you know our lifetime yeah so that's crazy question eight not to be confused with kebab which are from the middle east but which skewered meat dish from Greece is considered to be fast food and often eaten with pita, fried potatoes, lemons, and sauces? Um, is it shawarma? No. No. Uh, it's not falafel or skewered kebab. Uh, I'm going to be real mad. What is it? Suvlaki. Suvlaki. That's what I get every time I go to Cedar. Yeah. <laughs> What's wrong with me? But they call it the beef kebab plate. Oh. So suvlaki, because they're Lebanese. Yeah. So they don't okay. call it suvlaki, okay. but it's delicious. It's delicious. Yeah. I'll eat it all day, every day. Uh, the word suvlaki is a diminutive of the Greek word suvla for spit, like uh, the stick, oh, not oh, saliva. Not the yeah. I was going to mm-hmm. say, oh no, that's what I've been eating this whole time. Little spit. The marinade is... <laughs> Something's off with it. Human spit. Uh, question nine, a second multiple choice question. Because Greek root words are the worst, who gets to run the government in a cacistocracy? A, the winner of a marathon. B, vegans. C, the least qualified citizens. Or D, a group of mimes and troubadours. I'm going to say C. The answer is C, the least yes. qualified citizens. This word returned to use during the 2016 U.S. presidential campaign, and I will leave it at that. Uh, that's how I knew it, because mm-hmm. um, I had been Googling that. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, why do people keep using this word? <laughs> and question 10. I'll name four dishes, and you tell me if they are a real Greek dessert or something I made up. Okay. First, vasalopida. Uh, something you made up. That's real. Ah, it is the St. Basil's cake or King's cake for New Year's. It is baked with a coin inside and whoever gets it has luck for the year. Or chokes to death. Uh, number two, <laughs> deepless. Uh, that's real. It is real. Yes. 
Uh, it's spelled D-I-P-L-E-S, so it doesn't look very Greek to me. But um, So that's made of a thin dough rolled into thin strips, fried and folded in hot oil, and dipped in sugar or honey syrup, usually shaped like bow ties or spirals. They have that at the Greek festival. That's how mm-hmm. I know. The place. Uh, third, Mizitz in Averia. I'm going to say you made that up. I made that one. Okay. <laughs> uh, and last, Caridopida. Uh, I'm going to say real. That is real. Yes. It is a cake of crushed walnuts soaked in syrup. Sounds delicious. Yeah. Now I want baklava real bad. <laughs> um, the place near us, the other place near us, has two kinds of baklava. They have a walnut baklava and Give they have me a that pist- pistachio baklava. Pistachio yep. baklava, which is where it is at. Yeah. Oh, man, I could eat a whole walnuts. cake of that. <laughs> Please. Pistachios? Oh. Yes. By the spoonful. Thank you Thank very you. much. Yeah. That was great. Man, I'm on some Greek food now. That was very good. Thank you. Thank you. No. <laughs> Thank you, Julia. <laughs> Thank you, our listeners. Oh, thank you, listeners. You guys are great. Um, if you want to reach out to us and tell us, hey, g- we want more ancient wars. <laughs> Give it to us. I need it. Deep in my you, veins. If you aren't already asleep. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, you can email us at misinfopod at gmail.com. You can tweet at us at misinfopod. Uh, we have a website, www.misinfopod.com. And um, we also have a Facebook page, misinformation colon, uh, a trivia podcast. So find us wherever you get your podcasts and tell a f- and please rate, review, and subscribe. Yes. And also tell a friend. Tell a friend. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, I can be aggressive about handing out business cards so I'm certainly not going to ask our listeners to do the same, but, but you know, if you happen to have a couple extra on hand, feel free to pass them out to friends and family. Oh, sure. <laughs> um, but thank you. Our street team. Yeah, if we'll you have will. our own street team. Uh, so far, we only have one person in that, Steve. <laughs> and he does actually doesn't have any cards. No, he doesn't. I'm the one with all the cards. So, <laughs> so he we've really not given him enough resources to be a, an effective street team. Uh, but we can remedy that soon. Uh, but yes, in all seriousness, thank you guys so much for listening. Um, please feel free to reach out to us if you have any listeners submitted trivia. We're always looking for that. And uh, and thanks for listening. Yeah, and we'll get you next time. Bye. Bye. <laughs>